Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Vicki Salemi, career expert for Monster. Vicki brings over 15 years of experience in corporate recruiting and human resources with the goal of empowering job seekers with insights and firsthand knowledge straight from the halls of HR. She's a widely recognized and trusted career expert, author, public speaker, HR consultant, and nationally syndicated columnist, regularly contributing to Forbes.com and the New York Post. Vicki released her book, Big Career in the Big City, in 2010 and has been featured across countless household sources in broadcast and print, including the Today Show, Good Morning America, the New York Times, and Wall Street Journal. Now, Vicki should be no stranger to our audience here at HR Daily Advisor, as she joined us for past episodes of the HR Work Break and HR Works podcast. And I had the pleasure of having Vicki on to kick us off in 2023 with episode 220, Let Go of Those PTO Woes. I'm excited to have Vicki back on today, picking up where we left off and taking a closer look at Monster's recent 2024 WorkWatch report. Vicki is going to help us take a look at what Monster's latest report can tell us about today's employees, and we'll get into an essential point that I want to focus on for HR teams and organizations in 2024, and that's re-recruiting existing talent, creating an experience where employees want to stay. But first, let's get Vicki introduced and see what's new in her world. Vicki, welcome back to the HR Works podcast. So great to see you, and thanks for coming back on. Of course. Thanks for having me back. It's great chatting with you, Josh. Always a pleasure having you back here, Vicki, and having conversations with you. And as I mentioned, you've been a great guest of ours with HR Daily Advisor. So always a pleasure to keep digging into what's new in the talent world and the world of recruiting that you and the team at Monster are focused so much on. So let's get started there. What's something new that you've been focused on in your consultancy, in your coaching, in your career-centric work at Monster since we last connected back in early 2023? Yeah. Well, it's so interesting when we look back at the past year that remote work continues to be top of mind and flexibility. So that's a conversation that is continuous. And I'm sure we'll get more into that as well. But also AI in terms of job seekers being concerned that they may be replaced by AI. And the reality is there are ways to leverage AI to kind of delegate the tasks that you don't want to really do and get more into the creative aspects of someone's job. So lots going on. I think it's a really exciting time to be in the HR space. Absolutely. Now, did any workforce trends or people operations trends surprise you over the last year? Yes, in a good way. I mean, you probably heard about the pay transparency laws in New York City and several states throughout the country in terms of making it a requirement for employers to list the pay ranges on their job descriptions. And what we saw at Monster was a positive trend is that employers in states where it wasn't even mandated by the law, they were including the pay transparency and the pay scale. And we also found at Monster that that's what job seekers want too. And now job seekers are accustomed to it. And I'm finding too, Josh, that it's no longer the elephant in the room. When I worked in recruiting, it was always like on the first conversation, the first interaction, the phone screen with candidates, okay, we need to talk salary. What are your expectations? And there was always a pause or an awkward silence. But now I feel both employers and candidates are on the same page in terms of talking about what the expectations are, and then diving in to see if there's the right fit beyond that, rather than go through the entire interview process for both parties and then realize, oh, guess what? Not a fit. Yeah, that pay transparency piece. Previously, you're right. It was almost that game of poker. You were guessing um, kind of where each team stood and at points if there wasn't a match, that was eliminating great candidates. Now, right from the start, you know what the expectation is 
on both sides. It eliminates that elephant in the room. It only makes the candidate experience better, more efficient, and just cleaner from the start. It's great. Absolutely. Now, Vicky, with that, was there something you saw come out of the HR community this past year that was a win? What was the best thing you saw come out of the HR community? There are several. I think it's really HR is, you know, adjusting and listening to workers. And one of the things that we're seeing a lot is benefits. And we can get more into that as well. But, you know, adjusting benefits for flexibility of workers or pay time off for volunteering. That's a new one. Or pay time off more for mental health days and making it more of the norm than the anomaly. So we're seeing, you know, a lot of positive changes, but that's one that comes to top of mind. That's great. Now, as I mentioned, your team at Monster recently released a great report that's offering us a look at the state of the current talent marketplace. And that's the 2024 WorkWatch report. And I wanted to dig into both what we can take away from that report on the whole with our audience, but then really sink into one of the big topics that stuck out to me. And that's that idea of re-recruiting existing talent. So why don't we start at the 30,000 foot view here, Vicky? Take us through that WorkWatch report. Again, that's the 2024 Monster WorkWatch report that was recently released. Are there any trends in the job market that the 2024 edition is calling out? And what are the big takeaways? Yes. The biggest takeaway, Josh, that was an OMG moment was seeing the 95% of workers said they are going to be looking for a job this year. And there are many reasons why. Um, but another um, takeaway that I saw that was important is about 46% of workers said they're back in the office full time. So only 12% Said that they're fully 100% remote. So that was definite. If we're looking back at 2023, you know, your question a few minutes ago, I think that's something that the pendulum has definitely swung further in terms of back in the office or at least more hybrid roles than remote. But to that point, about one third of employers also told us, guess what? If we're going to have a hard time filling certain jobs, we're going to be more flexible and perhaps offering remote work. So I think there's flexibility there on both ends. That is fantastic. Now, this isn't the first WorkWatch report that Monster has put out to the market. Were there any significant changes from previous years? Well, it's interesting because there were a few changes. And one is um, one of the most important benefits to workers, they said, was flexible hours. So it's not siloed in terms of flexible work where you're working. It's also when you're working and in terms of perhaps more employers saying, yeah, they're open to a four-day work week or summer Fridays and employees are saying they'd rather have a bonus or boosted pay than summer Fridays. So to really dive deeper in that. Another um, interesting thing is, you know, employees are still making DE&I efforts a priority, but about three quarters of workers are saying they're still going to apply to employers to jobs, even if the employer isn't clearly stating their DE&I policy per se. So that was an interesting finding. And just again, getting back to the 95% of people looking for a new job this year. But I think we can dive into, you know, how this can be beneficial to employers and what they can do about that number. So not looking is one thing, but whether they leave is another. So we could talk about turnover and most importantly, retention. Yeah, there's a ton to learn from that number. And that was the stat that really jumped out to me when reviewing this report was that 95% of employees of talent of workers are currently out looking for new jobs or interested at least in looking at new jobs in 2024. It's a staggering number. And, and that idea that so many employees have this wandering eye right now in the marketplace. What's causing employees to have that wandering eye and look for these new jobs and opportunities? Yeah, the first and foremost reason is more money. 
they need to boost their income and they're saying, you know, their salaries have not kept up with inflation, the rising cost of living, but also if they feel like they're underpaid. And to that point, their staffing shortages. So if people left, there was attrition in their teams and their colleagues weren't replaced, these workers, and this is what led to quiet quitting, um, you know, would be working in their job, not getting paid to do the additional work. So salaries first and foremost, next to that is no, no room for growth. If they don't find, if they don't have a sense of clear job opportunities, as well as growth, they're looking for that elsewhere. And then the top third reason I should say, and that, you know, the most prevalent are toxic workplaces. Time and time again, people will look to leave because they know they can find the right fit and a much better fit with another company. So that 95% is based on those workers. And I actually think it's healthy for job seekers to look because, you know, if you're an employer and you're focusing on retention, your employees, they can look, but then the important thing is for them to assess whether or not they have a better fit with their current employer. So I think it's really important for, you know, workers when they're happily employed, even to be looking for a new job, have healthy conversations and even share best practices, not of course the secret sauce within their company, but it's always a good idea to make new connections, whether or not you end up getting a job offer and accepting it, but just, you know, broaden your horizons as well. And it's a great idea for employers, you know, when they have jobs to fill to meet viable candidates and maybe they're not a fit for that job, but maybe they will be for one down the road. You never know. I love that positive spin that you brought into that, Vicky, that idea that by candidates looking, by employees looking, it creates those opportunities for organizations to really learn where they can improve, understand where they stand in the marketplace. It's also that idea that the grass isn't always greener. I think there may be some realization too to say, hey, you know what? We've actually got a great opportunity here, a great situation. The employee experience is top notch and what else is out there in the market doesn't compare, which can then in turn reinvigorate and reinvest your employees, your talent to be appreciative and want to stay. So there's a great thing that can come out of that. It is. And you know what? As you're talking, I'm thinking, you know what? It's good for employers. This is 95%. It's off the charts because if it was lower, let's say 50%, 30%, employers can easily set into the comfort zone of complacency and not really realize, okay, we need to do something. We need to be active. We need to be proactive in talking to our employees and seeing how we can improve our benefits. And maybe it's not only the bottom line, but Let's, you know, make this a great and awesome place to work where they feel appreciated, recognized, and let's do all these great things and not only do it like a, as a Band-Aid, but do it for a long-term, deep-rooted, cultural, I won't say upheaval, because that's assuming there's something intrinsically wrong, but just think, okay, this is opportunity for improvement here. What can we do for our employers, not only to stay, but so word gets out that people really want to work here as well. Yes, 100%. It's causing teams, it's forcing teams to step their game up, right? And say, okay, we've got to be competitive by eliminating the complacency, right? The fact that 95% of employees are looking at varying degrees, teams need to step their game up to really create that great employee experience. That EVP that we always talk about is so essential. And sometimes these scenarios are great for doing that, for really raising the bar. That is something that is a great takeaway here. One thing that I thought was interesting too, as you were walking us through a lot of those drivers for employees looking was salary. And that ties right back to pay transparency that we were talking about. The emergence of pay transparency over the past year has given a lot of talented employees in the workforce an understanding of where they stand. And you can then measure your current salary against what's out there in the market. And that's going again, force conversations and result in a lot of talent assessing their current situation. Absolutely. And I'm seeing also more conversations, particularly among Gen Z, where it's becoming more of the norm for them to talk casually amongst each other about openly about their salary, whereas maybe 
uh, millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers, you don't necessarily need to talk about your specific salary, but you could say, hey, you know, if you were hiring someone like me with my level, what would you pay? So there's that more, there's com- more comfort in um, not making it feel awkward. So then when they do talk to employers, there's less awkwardness all around that going back to the pay transparency and just expecting it to be a common piece of conversation, it's information and it's um, it's empowering. And it's great also for employers to talk to other employers to compare benchmarks to say, okay, what's the market rate? And let's make sure we're all competitive here. Yeah, you're so right too, that there's a changing culture in being able to be more open about salary that, yeah, I'm, I'm of that millennial generation that we didn't talk about salary. You really didn't know what your coworkers who were sitting next to you in the office culture were making necessarily. And now there's a bit more transparency, openness and understanding of where you stand what your expectations are and measurability against your position, your role in the market. So it, it's all good ultimately. And, and I think it's really just forcing conversations, forcing us to rethink how we're setting up that EBP. We saw the great resignation really driving us in 2021. We all saw it. So many talented employees going out in the market, testing the waters. We're now hearing that 95% of employees are interested in wanting to test the waters. Are there different drivers now than there were three years ago? Yes. And that's the first thing that I thought of as well when I saw the 95% off the charts number. I said, oh my gosh, it's deja vu all over again, the great resignation. But when you peel the layers back, you're thinking great resignation was the result of the pandemic and people who were so grateful to have a job and be employed. And then they all there was that inflection point when the floodgates opened and everyone was looking for a new job that summer and burnout was fueling it. To this point now, I don't think necessarily in our numbers show what's fueling the job search is salary, number one. And then room for growth. And the third is toxic workplace. And burnout is still intrinsic and it can be implied in that. So let's say you feel like you're underpaid. Maybe you're doing more than one work. Maybe you're burnt out. So I think that's part of it. But if it just feels different now. And I wouldn't be surprised if job seekers go into their job search now a little bit different. I felt like during the Great Resignation, there were several resignations after that where people boomeranged to their previous employer. They jumped ship immediately at the first offer, that was the highest paid one. And then they got there and they said, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? This job description is not, what job is this anyway? This is not what I interviewed for. And then their, you know, their resume was alive and polished and they just, you know, continued interviewing and they job hopped and that was the norm. So I think now perhaps job seekers are going to be more discerning about looking for the right fit. Right. And yes, they're looking for salary, but they may also evaluate, oh, wait, this is in the office. And I have commuting costs now. How does that factor back into my take-home pay? So I think we're going to see less, I won't say impulsive, because I don't want to imply that people who left and got a new job during the Great Resignation is a bad thing. Movement could be good. But I'm just saying there may be more, um, they might approach their job search differently than they did a few years ago. I love that. That is a great point. Burnout was the hot topic that was driving so many talented employees to be almost fed up and say, hey, I can do this differently. And sometimes out of frustration, jump back into the job market to where now the employee experience can be so unique and so tailored and so flexible. Every employer has a different setup, whether that's in-office, hybrid, remote, what's flexibility, the various benefits that are brought into the mix, that it can really be a unique scenario for any employer. The talents looking in the marketplace, they have got a different way to measure than they previously did in 2021, where again, it was more just out of frustration and jumping back in. And the field was more even, I'd say, in 2021, where Every team was remote, yes. still trying to figure out which way was up right, and what the right. next steps were to where now in 2024, we're seeing teams that are declaring, hey, we're going full five days back into the work in office. That's a fully on-site role to teams that are taking the other swing and going fully remote or somewhere in between. 
the playing field's much different than it was, I think, in 2021. 100%. And I think also it could be drilled down to department too. Yeah. So a company may have what their specifications are, and then it might go down to department or what the specific needs are from that leader in that office. And then what's interesting too is you're right, because it was at that point, it was an even playing field practically, almost all remote. And then we had this gray area (laughs) in between then and now where some employers didn't know what the plans were and job seekers didn't know and employers to the best of their ability were transparent. But now I think also job seekers no, there aren't 100% options for remote, but there, yes, there are still definitely options. So that's, you know, the nuance of job seekers finding what they're specifically looking for and employers as well. So hopefully there won't be turnover. So the job seeker gets what they're looking for, as well as the employer who needs that worker in the office full-time or hybrid, that they have teams that actually want, want to be there and thrive and whatever that looks like for that organization. Really well said. Now, we've got this staggering number that 95% of workers are looking or planning to look for new jobs and opportunities in 2024. But let's bring it home to the organizations, to the employers, to the HR teams. There was a really interesting stat that came out of the 2024 Monster Work Watch report that said 57% of recruiters' strategies will shift their focus to retention over acquisition. I thought that was really interesting and, and brings us to the next conversation piece I want to dig into. How do we get employees to want to stay? So what areas of the employee experience matter right now for prospective talent and existing employees? How much time do we have? I'm serious. I Okay, my answer is too prompt. So what they could do first is it could be different for different organizations and different for what the employees are saying they need. So it's important to have an open dialogue and dialogue is two way. So for employers to be transparent with their employees, whether that's having an all hands meeting, having a hotline or bosses sitting down with their direct reports individually and in a team and say, hey, we want to make some changes here. So this becomes an even better place to work. What's your sticking point? So employees can feel safe speaking up. You know, there are no repercussions for you to say, you know, hey, I want more, whatever, free lunches, better pay, of course, um, different benefits. What does that look like? So for companies to ask questions, next is listen. And third is to implement. Or if they're unable to implement, let's say, higher salaries, they can be transparent again and communicating effectively with their teams and individually, hey, we heard you. We're doing our best. We're unable to do a mid-year increase, but what we can do is a quarterly team bonus or what we can do is X, Y, Z. So employees know that they're being heard and there will actually be action because the other pieces to ask the questions and listen, yeah, that's all well and good. But if you don't actually do anything, what's the point? If a tree found a forest and no one's there, did it make a sound? So the other piece is getting into the employee experience. Number one, pay them what they're worth really do an internal audit for sure and sit down and be, you know, hard on employers need to be hard on themselves to say, why should someone want to work here? If I'm an external candidate, if I've been here 10 years, two years, even six months, why would I want to stay? Audit the benefits, see where you can be more flexible. And again, this goes back to what the employees need. If you have an entire group that are perhaps in their twenties and they're all saying they want tuition reimbursement for their MBA, that's going to be different for someone who's a more seasoned older worker, who's a sandwich caregiver for an elderly parent and let's say a teenager. So I think it varies. And that's why it's important to look at their benefits, evaluate the costs. And the first thing they could do today, listening to this podcast is recognize workers, appreciate them and say, thank you. It's no cost. It's super easy. And 
It's just good leadership. It's showing empathy that you care about your workers. I see you and I hear you and thank you. Or if they didn't get a client, but they prepared an amazing presentation, a stellar performance per se for the pitch meeting, and they just didn't land the client, don't focus on the outcome, focus on behavior because that excellent behavior will hopefully eventually get the client. So, you know, reward that behavior. If you can't do it like with the compensation, give them a shout out at a team meeting, make them feel seen and heard. Yeah. Showing that you see that you hear your employees, that's free. That's all profit for teams. That's an easy first step. I love those, Vicky. But walking through again, even those tips to re-recruit your existing employees, really create that great employee experience. Those are some great options for us. What I jotted down to that stood out to me are your benefits working. Mm -hmm. Reassess your benefits. Make sure that matches what your employees are looking for. I understand Mm -hmm. your employee base. It goes without saying that you should get to have a sense of who your employees are, but really take stock of what does our workforce comprise of? What are the valued benefits there? Are the benefits that we currently offer, are they being used? Are there other benefits we need to bring into the mix? And, And that'll ultimately play into that employee experience when maybe you can't always compete with salary, but you can compete with the experience. That's going to really be valuable when that 95% of the workforce is out there looking. They may see that, hey, I've got it pretty good here and I'm appreciated and I'm seen and I'm getting more than just even that salary, but I'm getting a a fulfilling employee experience. Can't beat that. Absolutely. And I want to just piggyback on that, Josh, is the two other reasons why people said they're leaving is lack of opportunity. They don't have any room, don't see any room for growth and toxic workplace. So to those points, I would say for employees, they can start looking at their job opportunities internally. What does the career path look like? Does their internal website not only put it online, but have meaningful conversations, be proactive. Don't wait for the year-end performance review to say, hey, where do you want to go? And guess what? You're not going to get promoted. Like they wouldn't say that, of course, but you want to make them see how they can make incremental success, up-level their success within the organization, even if it doesn't mean a promotion or if it is a promotion, how can they get from point A to point B? What is the timing? What are the skills? That's super important is up-leveling their skills and make them you know, see how valuable they are internally to have that clarity about their career path internally so they don't feel like it is a dead end. The second piece, the toxic workplace is really important to address the bad apples in the bunch. Don't swipe it under the rug. If there is a toxic boss, companies really should address it. Do upward feedback surveys. See what's really going on. may not only be a boss or it might be the company culture. Why are people leaving? Have exit strategies, but have stay strategies. Ask them, why are you staying? Like, what makes this a great place to work? What's the top thing if you were hanging out with friends at a birthday party and they asked where you work and you told them and they asked you, oh, what do you like working about? Like, what would you say? Yeah. That's again, knowing where your strengths are. I love that. Stay strategies. It's a great approach, I think, for teams to look at. The upskilling piece is so important as well. We talked about pay transparency, but I think it should be opportunity transparency as well. And making sure that there's clear communication internally of opportunities within the organization to advance and really keep talent within the group. And that's essential and a great opportunity for teams to look at when they're trying to re-recruit their talent and provide those opportunities and be very open and create those pipelines with talent you already have. Absolutely. And it's interesting to note 40% of employers from Monster's WorkWatch report for 2024 said they offer training and resources to employees and only 70% of workers said they actually tap into it. So there you go. So if it's not necessarily a 
path to promotion. It's a path to get that new skill. So they feel engaged, they feel productive, and they feel marketable. So not like they're going to learn that skill, thanks employer, and then put on their resume to look elsewhere. But even if they do, fine. The employer should feel confident knowing, well, we provide them with the ability to continue to learn here and to get them to the next level in their their career. When they get to that level, we're going to pay them equitably. So why would they leave? Right. I'm improving. I'm developing. I've got the opportunity to take my career and be in control of my career growth. But that could also be in the current role. You're, you're giving the employer that power, that ability to feel like they're improving, like they're growing, like they're developing. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to leave. But again, feel like they're not just, again, rinse and repeat, and really just punching the clock. And that's essential. That's great. Now, Vicky, one thing that caught my eye, again, looking at the WorkWatch report, was that 46% of American workers are back to working in the office full time. It's a big number compared to where we were in early 2023, where, again, we were in much more of a remote and hybrid model. And over the last year, we've seen so many big organizations come out and say, oh, no, we're going fully back in or the majority of the time back in office. Does location and where we work still matter as much to prospective talent and to employees as it did or appeared to at least in early 2023? It seems to have changed. Yes. So it does matter more for workers and it definitely matters more for employers. So that has shifted. And I'm really intrigued by this number, Josh, because I'm curious to see what it will be when we have this conversation next January, February, to see, okay, where has this shifted? Is it going to continue to uptick into more time in the office? Because at the end of the day, employers have leases on office buildings and there may be more collaboration that goes on in an office that you can accomplish within 30 minutes than on a video call. So it'll be very interesting to watch this space. Yeah, I think the lease piece will play into a lot of team decisions going forward. At the moment, if you're paying through your leases, yeah, it makes sense to bring teams back in. But as those leases are up for renewal, I think that's maybe where you'll start to see teams reconsider and relook, okay, how do we need space? What kind of space do we require to be at our best? And we're really seeing teams find what works best for them. That'll really dictate what they're pulling for talent, what talent is looking for. It's really been an interesting piece to watch. And I think flexibility seems to be the piece that is really prominent now. It's not necessarily where you're working, but it's how you're working. And different teams have different definitions of flexibility. That's back to that idea of in the talent marketplace, talent can now really find that right fit for what they want to see. Absolutely. And what's interesting, too, is we'll see how the employer sentiment may change over time. We know in our work watch report at Monster, one third of employers said, well, if there are hard to fill positions, they would consider more flexibility or remote work. And I'm thinking, putting my recruiter hat back on back in the day when I used to recruit for really specific niche roles saying, oh, there's an awesome candidate in Florida, but it's in the jobs in Stanford, Connecticut, and it's international tax and like TTM, like all these like very, very niche. And I was like, oh, sad trombone. They, we can't can even consider them. Whereas if that were me now, I would pick up the phone and call that candidate right away and say, this is remote and the client work, we can fly you in for the meeting. So I think we're going to see what's best, like you said, what's best for the organizations going forward, but also as it relates to recruiting talent, especially if the companies are expanding and they need talent in certain areas of the country, or they realize this is incredibly niche and let's have a virtual team for this account or accounts because from a recruiter perspective, it can certainly help you with a tight labor shortage as it is already to find that hard to find talent and time to fill. We know recruiters are also this year focusing on time to fill, which of course can be a challenge as well. It's flexibility within roles, within teams to say, is there great talent that maybe outside of our office radius? Do we need to be more flexible with this role, with this team to say, 
yeah, let's make this more remote or more open to a hybrid model because the right talent is maybe three, four hours away. And how do we work that to still accomplish the in-office presence that we're looking for, but also keep that great talent, get that great talent. I think it's, it'll be really interesting to see how teams interpret flexibility, how they use flexibility going forward. But it's certainly a priority. There's no question about that. Now, again, we're here with Vicky Salemi, career expert for Monster. Vicky's been great sharing and, and helping us unpack the 2024 Monster Workwatch Report. Now, we're going to provide a link to that Workwatch Report on our post on hrdailyadvisor.com. So I'd highly recommend anyone who's interested and want to learn more to check that out there. But Vicky, do we have anywhere else that we could send our audience to if they just want to learn more about Monster in general? Definitely. You can head over to monster.com and you'll find employer solutions, how to find the right fit, job postings for all of your jobs, whether they're part-time, hybrid, remote, everything that we've talked about, multiple to find the right fit because we know our candidates are going to our site to find that job. And they're also learning. There's a lot of content on our site for not only job seekers, but employers as well. Thank you for that, Vicki. Now, Vicki, we're having this conversation in early 2024. Teams are still putting their early goals into place. Maybe some New Year's resolutions have still held up. So for our audience out there who's listening, can we provide and encourage HR teams with one thing to start doing differently in 2024 to impact and improve the employee experience? Yes, I think to not be overwhelmed. Because if we hear employee experience, you're thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to take a long time. I need approvals. Oh my gosh. Chip away at it and do every day one small thing that you can do. And I'm a big proponent, even for me, for my work, like having the bird's eye view of what you need to do, break it down and say, okay, what am I going to do today? What's the one thing that I can do to move the needle forward and focus on that one thing? So don't be overwhelmed and focus on one thing each day that you can focus on for that bigger picture. Yeah, it's small bites to get there. That's great. I love that. And now, Vicki, with our first time guests, we have that conversation about motivators and what's the one thing you've learned along the way that's been a big proponent in helping you be a great leader. But now, as you've already been a guest on the HR Works podcast, I highly encourage any of our audience members who, who want those great answers to check out episode 220 let go of those PTO woes. But now that you're a repeat guest, we've got a new question to close out on with you. So what is a professional growth goal that you're setting for yourself in 2024? Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of goals, so I'll share one of them. Um, So I need to post more on social. Like I'm just, it's not native to me. I have an intern actually, and she's amazing. So I delegate some stuff to her, some projects so I could focus on the bigger, more meaty content and consulting type stuff, but I'm on social media and I like check out the news or whatever and see what my friends are up to, but I really need to create more content. I have so much to say. So it's just a matter of me making the reels and doing the filters. And it's actually really fun, but getting back to my advice about what I would tell HR, like I just need to do a little each day and I need to post more frequently. That's one of my goals. And the second goal is, so I spent a month in Sicily last summer and it was amazing. And I worked remotely and I didn't miss a beat with work. And honestly, it was so refreshing to work because I I'm Sicilian. I love seeing my family and being immersed in the culture and the food. Oh my gosh. But at the end of the day, you miss, there's a point where you miss American accents. And then I took, I think it was like a week and a half or whatever it was, a solid block of time where I wasn't working at all. And then I find that I'm so refreshed and so much more engaged when I come back and I'm fully present in the moment. So I encourage anyone listening, that's a continuous goal of mine. And I plan to travel again this summer for several weeks. So I think it's important whether people take a staycation, daycation, whatever they do 
to take time off from work and truly unplug. The world will not end, I promise. So do what you need to do to take care of yourself. I know in our other episode, you know, talk about PTO woes, make sure that you do that. And it's important also not only for yourself, but for your teams. Lead by example so they see that, so they can take advantage and leverage that time off because, again, you don't want them to be burnt out, but the happy workers, productive worker. But again, life can be really short. It's one thing that we learned from the pandemic and it can change overnight. It's fragile. So make sure that you can appreciate life while you also appreciate your work. Fantastic. Thank you for those, Vicky. Not only did you give us your goals, but you gave some great advice for our audience out there too, to travel, recharge, use that PTO. When you come back, you've got that appreciation for what you have and you're ready to hit the ground running. So I, I love that. That's fantastic and a great way for us to close out. So again, Vicky Salemi, career expert for Monster. Thank you for coming back on the HR Works podcast. I love having those repeat guests and we'll certainly have to have you back on again to keep the conversation going. But it was great looking at that 2024 Monster Workwatch report. And like I said, can't wait to have you back on again soon. We'd love to come back. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Vicky. Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.